your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to today's uh, today Tuesday. Man, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> when you're doing double duty, one of the, a couple of these days, it seems like it's should be later in the in the week. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Police Chief Sean Kudron is going to join me in a couple of minutes here. I've got a whole slew of things for him. If you have any questions for the police chief, shoot me a text. 608-785-7914. It's loading. I'm loading the text line. It's taking a long time. We did We did have a bust, uh, was it last week? Last week where we... Got 11 pounds of meth? 11 pounds. I think that's a lot. Don't really know how much that costs on the, quote-unquote, on the streets, but probably a lot of money. And uh, we're still looking for the people that robbed the Sitco on the south side, on State Road. I I don't know how much Kudron's going to, be able to talk about that stuff because they're ongoing investigations. He's not going to. He's not going to give us the uh, the lowdown on on where they're at or how they got to where they're at or where they're going. It's all a little secretive because you know. Otherwise, you're giving away the game. But we could ask him about crime in general. I think I want to, and I got some just off the wall stuff to ask him about traffic, about marijuana, about guns. Um. Uh, conceal and carry, gun training. Maybe he'll have some answers for me, or maybe he won't, and <laughs> we'll just see what else we could talk about. Uh, police also released a info today. They need help finding a 26-year-old named Nathaniel Rotering. Uh, he's been missing since Monday. It's really cold out. So hopefully he's, you know, okay, but he's been he's been missing, so... Check the police Facebook page for that. Uh, he's a six foot tall, 160 pounds, 26 year old. Like I said, uh, last seen wearing black, black and white snowmobile jacket, blue jeans, Nike shoes, gray, blue gray, bluish gray. So yeah. Anyway, what else are we doing? <laughs> the state legislature's rolling, rolling today uh, with a bunch of bills that are just seem like they're they're just gonna get vetoed by the governor and what I I like to call trolling legislation. Maybe some of this stuff passes. I don't know. I I don't think Governor Evers is going to sign a critical race theory ban. It also seems a little uh, unproductive. (laughs) Like, let's do this. So, you know, all the white people think we're doing a lot of work and all the black people think that we're, you know, going after you. It just doesn't seem helpful. Uh, Robin Voss, the state assembly speaker says he won't say, he won't say whether he supports absentee ballot drop boxes. Okay. <laughs> Can't touch that. Uh, yeah. Drop boxes seem pretty awesome. If you just, like, I can just go and put my ballot in the drop box. I don't have to go into the thing and, and go vote. I can get an absentee ballot. I can get a ballot in the mail and just, then just go drop it off. It seems pretty easy. Uh, Wisconsin's budget forecast improved to $2.9 billion. So what are we going to do with that? Um, I think it's a little, the, the, the amount of taxes collected is, is up because I think a lot of people's, oddly enough, spent a lot of money. <laughs> so it's a, it's an interesting story uh, how we got there. 
Uh, what else? Uh, legislature wants power over federal money. They want to do that. All this stuff ties into a lot of this stuff ties into gerrymandering a little bit. So Republicans want all the power, the state legislature, and and maybe maybe that would be good if the state legislature wasn't gerrymandered and we're not just handing power over to one side. Uh, you know, while the state legislature debates all these other things and then passes them, I don't even know if they debate them. They seem like a lot of them are pretty close to or all party line voting, all Republicans for, all Democrats against. Seems like most of them are like that. But, you know, let's let's throw the uh, the gerrymandering one or the how we how we draw legislative districts. Let's throw that out there and discuss that in session. We can't do that. You can vote against it, but like throw it out there, have some meetings on it. Let the public know where you stand. Uh, There were a couple of Republicans that were for doing something like an Iowa model. And where the state legislature doesn't have a say in how the district maps are drawn. Sounds like a good plan, like Iowa's been doing for decades. Um, but no, we don't we don't discuss that. But we'll ban we'll we'll ban critical race theory. <laughs> Something all over happening all over in our grade schools and middle schools and high schools. Everybody's doing it. It's not even critical race theory. Anyway, six oh eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you got questions for the police chief, Sean Kudron, shoot me a text. 608-785-7914. Um, yeah, and I didn't see the story on Colby Cheese, so I haven't seen that one yet. Let me just Google Colby Cheese. We made this joke last week, and I guess I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I think maybe maybe the AP, so Scott, Todd Richmond and Scott Bauer are really good AP writers, and they cover Madison like crazy. They do a much better job than and I'm living in Minnesota, so I'm often curious about Minnesota. They do a much better job than the uh, AP in Minnesota. I think it's just one guy, and he's only hitting it. I think maybe he's part time. Um. So yeah, they didn't do they didn't pass Colby Cheese legislation because uh, Dolphin Jim, <laughs> Dolphin Jim, what is that? Dolphin Jim text in. Why is it Dolphin Jim? Te- Jim, you got to text me that. Is it like Miami Dolphins or? Uh, like the mammal dolphin, uh, he says the state legislature uh, maybe should make the official state cookie oatmeal and raisin. You're going to have to say that one for Friday, I think. Uh, but yeah, last week they debated whether Colby cheese should be the state cheese. <laughs> like that's, thanks. Thanks for that, legislature. It's good, t- good, good talk. Uh, I'm trying to get Steve Doyle to come on either tomorrow or Thursday too. I sent him an email. Pretty busy day today. I didn't expect him to get back to me, but hopefully... Hopefully it gets back to me tomorrow. All right, I'm going to take a break, let Brad do the news. Sean Kudron, the police chief, is should be calling any minute here. And uh, we can go with a bunch of the things that I just said. Marijuana, guns, traffic, traffic cameras. I kind of want to ask him about that. Uh, traffic circles, <laughs> we can do that one too. Uh, and anything else you got, 608-785-7914. Shoot me a text. You got something for Sean Kudron? Let me know. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Sean Kudron, the police chief. He's been the police chief since, you know, Sean, you took over right before the pandemic, essentially, September of 2019. Uh, you haven't actually had really a normal <laughs> a normal world yet uh, as police chief, but how, how has everything been going? You're about, you know, what, two and a half, three years on the job? Yeah, about about two and a half. Um, yeah, um, I'm not sure what normal would mean right now for uh, 
you know, for this job or for public safety leadership. But uh, but things are going well. Things are consistently busy, and uh, there there's a lot uh, to do. And uh, you know, our department's just uh, doing our best to, to serve our community and, and keep it safe. So you had a you had a recent drug bust. It was, you pulled these guys over, but uh, they had eleven pounds of meth. So a lot of times you guys do. Uh, grams. I don't, and I don't know if you're, if you just have some metric people in there and then some, uh, you know, American standard people in there, but 11 pounds of meth, I can kind of understand because I'm just, I can look at, I can, I, I think in the weight room, I'm like, okay, a 10 pound, you know, dumbbell or a 10 pound, you know, on the, on the bench. I know what that is, but, uh, you said, you said right before it was about $124,000 street value. What is 11 pounds? Is it just like in one of those baggies or what, what, what does that look like? Yeah, you know, it's uh, this was a significant uh, drug bust. I mean, this was an ongoing investigation. Um, our staff did an excellent job, you know, with this investigation. And it was several several baggies, if you will. So if you consider, you know, something that, that looks like a very, very full sandwich baggie, there were several of those uh, weighing, uh, again, a total of uh, just about 11 pounds and uh, – it does. It has a street value uh, well over one hundred twenty thousand dollars, and um, you know we still we still have issues uh, with methamphetamine, you know, in our community. And this is a an example of of, of good work as far as taking uh, a larger amount of drugs off the street, and um, and it was significant. Yeah, these dudes are from either L.A. or the Twin Cities, and uh, they're, they're probably are they setting up shop to sell stuff here? Is that kind of how it goes? Well, I mean, drugs make it into our area in a lot of different ways, and and this was just one of them. Where again, a higher amount, uh, a larger amount, or a larger single amount uh, of drugs that were looking to be, you know, potentially brought into our community, and and we had the opportunity to kind of interdict that through our investigation. So, um, so again, as far as the you know uh, the the details of where it was being brought to and that sort of thing. I mean, there are a lot of different ways that these drugs make it into our community, and our staff keeps working hard to uh, interdict that and, and take them off the streets. Now, it says you got them in a traffic stop. Did they just run a red light or something? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kidding. I, fi- I think you knew. Um, it is we- weird. So you, you, you probably had an investigation. You, you didn't pull them over randomly, but were, they, were you surprised when you have that much stuff in your car that they just, I don't know, it seems like they would try to get away, you know? Well, you know, you it, in in this that type of work, this type of work, and in, in, in drug investigations, um, there's there's a lot of unknowns, and our our staff tries to you know take um, these situations and make them as safe as possible. So it's certainly it's certainly with with a stop like this, um, we are very glad that everybody complied in the way that they did. Um, nothing became more dangerous than than it already was, and. Uh, and everybody, you know, walked away from this uh, safely, and we were able to again seize those drugs and take them off the streets. Now, eleven pounds of meth. I'm not, I have no. I've I smoked marijuana maybe twenty years ago. I know what that it just makes me hungry. But methamphetamine, I don't know what it does to you. And then a lot of times this stuff has fentanyl in it. And I, I from what I understand, fentanyl is like super dangerous. Did this stuff have fentanyl in it? We well, that? And, and that is our that is our bigger concern. And in terms of the testing of this uh, specific amount of drugs, I, I I can't answer that right now. But fentanyl is a, b- a very big concern of ours, and we're seeing more and more of that 
um, you know, with with the different drugs that that are being uh, essentially abused, and some of the different drugs that that we're taking off of people. And the biggest concern of that is just the the overdose factor that we're seeing here locally, and and the overdose factor that we have seen nationwide uh, with drug abuse. And the the finality of drug overdoses at times you know, when it leads to death is, is obviously very concerning. And we're seeing higher levels and more potent levels of fentanyl uh, mixed in with, with other drugs. And, and there is a lot of information out there right now in terms of, you know, how to combat this. And, and you know, Narcan is, is one way in terms of for people to, to come back from overdose. Um, and, and we're responding oftentimes to overdoses where, you know, Narcan's being utilized and, and bringing people back, saving people's lives. And it's very concerning. And so that is something that, as a police department, you know, we're working on that. We're working with other professionals uh, in public safety and in public health to find the best ways we can to address this problem and and certainly lower uh, the number of overdoses and certainly the number of people that are losing their lives. Yeah, I don't know if it, it's, it's positive or I don't know if it would help at all, but we, you know, you have a social media, would it be, would it be a thing where you, Hey, we had to, we had to use Narcan this many times, or, you know, we had this many drug overdoses uh, and I don't know how many it is per month or per week. Um, but it would, would it be, would it be a positive result if you posted stuff like that on your news page, on your social media, just to bring that awareness out because, or, or is it people that are using drugs pretty, pretty cognitive of the fact that this stuff might have fentanyl in it. I, I guess they probably would understand that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, 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 a broad spectrum of opportunities, you know, first of all, to, to typically it's going to be a warning. So this has happened before. You know, we haven't put out ongoing information, but, you know, we've also seen, um, you know, partnerships with our medical institutions when they're seeing people come in with overdose um, on a more regular basis. There are times when we have seen where, you know, potential uh, drug shipments that make it into the area that, that are higher potent, uh, we start to see more overdoses and respond to more overdoses. And then there are warnings. You know, we have placed warnings out before uh, through social media, um, as well as other, you know, media such as yourself um, on WISM to make people aware that this is going on and, uh, and, and essentially to warn them to, to be careful. And, and it is, again, it can be, it can have, very, very tragic results, and, and we continue to work with all professionals in the field to try to reduce that. Yeah, because I think we set a record for, I want to say it was like 45, but I can't remember if that was overdose deaths. I think that was it, in, either in 2021 or 2020. So it's just one yeah. of the things. And we're, you know, we do COVID deaths uh, quite often. We the, the county puts those out. You know, one more per- person died of covid uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know if it helps to tell people another person died of a drug overdose because, you know, not everyone's, not everyone's catching drugs. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. And I, and I think, you know, as, uh, as professionals, we, we don't have the exact answers right now, but we do want that information to get out. We want people to be as safe as possible. Certainly people have, uh, you know, addiction factors that, that they're dealing with. Um, and, and at times trying to get over, but we, we want to make sure people are not losing their lives. And that is, that is all part of, to the police department's role in, uh, drug investigations. And, and again, as we talked about this, uh, this amount of methamphetamine that we were able to take off the streets, I mean, that is all part of 
uh, of the work that we do to to try to keep people safe, but also to try to make sure people are, are are aware and understanding that these substances are very very dangerous, and and it's very important uh, for people to understand what they're getting into or what they're using. Uh, for, we're speaking with Lacrosse City of Lacrosse Police Chief Sean Kudron uh, from from very dangerous drug to what some consider not all that dangerous. Uh, the city, you know, not even that recently, but you lowered the the fine to uh, marijuana possession. I think to if it's under twenty five, here you go grams. You know, under twenty five grams or less, it's a dollar fine uh, for possession. Um, Minnesota's talking about recreational marijuana being legalized. You know, Canada has it, Michigan has it, Illinois has it, and I think Iowa is, is at the medical marijuana. Wisconsin's not really talking about this, but I'm sure it's something you think about. Uh, the challenges, I, I guess, you know, what are the challenges police have if marijuana is legalized recreationally? Yeah, I think one of the bigger challenges or bigger concerns is is mainly um, people who would be operating vehicles under the influence of marijuana. And I know that uh, information has come out from some other states on the increases in whether it's traffic accidents, deaths, uh, that really are, are related to people who are under the influence of marijuana. And, you know, I don't know if there has been a significant study with uh, states in the Midwest. I mean, I know it's been fairly recent since some of those states have had um, the legalization or partial legalization. So there probably hasn't been enough time to study that. But I know that from some other states, and, and typically the one state that a lot of information has come out from has been Colorado, and, you know, a lot of the traffic issues that have come out of that, the increases uh, in, in, in traffic-related, like I said, crashes um, or deaths or serious injuries, um, those are more or, or some of the primary concerns that law enforcement has. There's a lot of other, you know, different concerns when it comes to the legalization, but I think for our community and, and traffic safety, which I know you and I talked a little bit more on traffic safety and some of the other issues surrounding that, but that is a concern and, and, and one that, that probably needs to be looked into and needs to be studied and just look at what that impact truly is. Yeah, definitely. If, if somebody's on marijuana, their, their driving is going to be impaired. How hard is it when you guys pull somebody over to, I, I guess, determine whether or not they're under the influence of marijuana? I guess you, red eyes is all I can think about, and maybe they're a little lethargic. But uh, is it pretty difficult to figure out, you know, this guy isn't acting properly and we we can't let you go because we, you know, but is it hard to prove that they're on marijuana, I guess? Well, it can be, um, but we do have officers trained as drug rec- recognition experts. So they are they are trained in, in running um, essentially drivers through a battery of different tests and, and looking for essential, essentially, uh, cues that that would show that they're under the influence, and and, and several different ways of doing that, and and really showing that um, they're they're just unable to operate a vehicle properly at that point in time. Um, marijuana doesn't have the same type of um, test as alcohol, uh, you know, as, as like a preliminary breath test uh, with alcohol to to essentially detect the presence. Um, so so some of those things can be a little bit more challenging. And, uh, and, and certainly that's simply just on the enforcement end of things. Um, again, the, the additional driving behaviors and, you know, police officers uh, are unable to be everywhere. And so some of the different things that can happen or can be impacted by drivers who are under the influence 
uh, can certainly be dangerous for for people utilizing our roadways. Yeah, because I'm thinking like if I get a if I'm drinking and driving, you give me a breathalyzer and it's going to show, and then you take me in and and give me the blood test or whatever. It's going to prove that, but I don't know how you quote unquote prove. Uh, I've been using marijuana, but you can, I suppose, just be like, yeah, you're not driving your car anymore, but I don't know how you uh, you make an arrest for marijuana at that point. Um, and that gets me into traffic cameras and and, and the, the idea of traffic. I want to talk about that, but we got to take a quick break. Brad's got to do the news, but Scott's comments coming up. We'll continue this conversation with Police Chief Sean Kudron in a couple minutes. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608 608- 785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse City Police Chief Sean Kudron on the air with me. It would be nice, Sean, if we could have just continued that conversation because off the what we were talking about off the air because all that was pretty informative. But we were we were talking about you know uh, essentially like pulling people over for marijuana possession or under the influence of marijuana. But that gets me to um, something else that I, I heard on a podcast. Just the idea of. Um, you know, and, and I think the police, the responsibility of police to have to enforce traffic laws seems uh, like the, the hardest part of the job. If you didn't have to do that and you could focus on what you did the other day is, is arresting some dudes that had 11 pounds of methamphetamine. Um, you know, is there like the, the conversation they were having was with traffic cams. If we had more traffic cams, uh, what, what is your opinion on traffic cams, I guess? Yeah, I you know I, I look at traffic cams as as another tool in in trying to slow down traffic or um, you know trying to keep people from for instance running you know red lights. Um, but it, again, it's just another tool, and I think traffic safety as it relates to enforcement, there, there's just there's many different factors that go into it, and and I know the the podcast that you were talking about. And, you know, one of the focused items that was on the podcast was really the design of, of area roads um, and how that can impact the flow of traffic and the speed of traffic. That plays an important role. Um, certainly enforcement plays a role. And, uh, and just getting, you know, your, your vehicles, people who are driving vehicles on our local roads to conform to uh, speed limits, and, and it, it does relate to, to safer roads. Uh, it relates to pedestrians being safer, as well as, you know, you're, you're going to have traffic crashes when you have vehicles out on roads, but traffic crashes at lower speeds typically um, are, are not as tragic uh, or impactful as, as some of these higher speed crashes. So traffic enforcement is about safety, and, and, and a traffic cam is, is something that's another tool to kind of assist in that. Um, there's a lot of controversy around them. There's only, I don't know, off the top of my head, maybe 20 some states that, that have, you know, legalized the use of traffic cameras, uh, for enforcement. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. You know, you can have different thresholds set for the use of those, of those cameras. But I do think, you know, again, some studies need to be done, or at least they, you know, I need to look at some of that information to see if utilizing traffic cameras in certain areas if it does make those intersections safer um, and, and if the enforcement action does get, you know, the conforming behavior that authorities are looking for, uh, you know, when it comes to speed as well as, you know, not abide, abiding by, uh, for instance, uh, the traffic control signals, uh, red lights. So. Yeah, the preconceived notion I had with traffic cams is if I go through this thing and I'm going, uh, you know, four or five over the speed limit, 
and and then it catches me like seven times that week because I drive by the same cam every day. Uh, by the, by the next week, I'm going to have seven tickets for going five over. <laughs> but but that's maybe not how traffic cams work. It might just kind of there might be you know just kind of like you guys yourselves. I don't know if you could admit that, but if you catch someone doing five over, you might just you might just let them go or you might just give them a warning or, or whatever. I don't know if you could say that that might be breaking news, but, um, but the idea of traffic cams (laughs) might work a little bit different. Like, um, you know, they were talking about, uh, you know, we, well, you get the guy going 20 over that for sure. You can do that. Or maybe you see that happen and then you send, you know, somebody out to go get that person. And also you catch the guy going 10 over 50 times in a month. Then you might be on the lookout for this guy the next time. Well, yeah, but it, it, it all comes down to patterns, too. And as far as, you know, the types of intersections where, you know, you are seeing more speed, um, traffic engineers, you know, their jobs really assist in, in finding areas where you're finding, you know, higher speeds, you know, vehicles traveling at higher speeds, traffic counts to, to assist in that. And then, again, I mean, utilizing the tools that you have to try to, um, to, to try to conform that traffic and slow it down. A traffic camera is a more consistent tool because it's there all the time. Officers, you know, we, we try to do as much as we can when we can, um, but we can't, you know, as we said before, we can't be everywhere. So enforcement, you know, with utilizing officers in traffic enforcement is just one kind of piece to uh, safe flows of traffic and safe speeds of traffic. Um, we talk about that design again. There's been a lot of innovative designs that have been going on with um, reconstructed roads, the widths of those roads, uh, raised intersections, things that can slow or, or really kind of lessen the speed of, in the flow of traffic can assist with that as well. well. What do you think of the 2nd Street in front of the Lacrosse Center where we're doing zigzags at this point because I don't think they're finished with what they're going to do. And then there's that, the, the raised uh, you know, crosswalks there. I, I personally, I, I I think the raised crosswalk has some promise in terms of uh, again in that area on Second Street. There's uh, you know maybe not today when it's so cold outside, but uh, you know you have more pedestrian traffic um, in that area. And I think the the design, and again, a traffic engineer could speak to this much better than I could. But the design of that is to again slow the flow of traffic down. Uh, to keep it safer for everybody, uh, the pedestrians and, and people operating their vehicles in those areas, but to still allow for that that traffic flow to continue, but at a slower pace. Yeah, it really slows it down too with all the snow on the side of the road because the the one going the one way going uh, north, I think uh, you really have to go slow so you don't your rearview mirror doesn't clip all the parked cars' rearview mirrors because it's such a tight squeeze at this point. I really am just I'm a I'm driving on the yellow line going that way. And B, I'm going like 20 because if if another car is coming and they're not, you know, way over, it's just at this point it's kind of weird. Well, and and you mentioned it. I mean, the the winter weather brings a whole other factor into uh, traffic patterns, uh, traffic speed, and and just additional difficulties in in operating on the roadways. The uh, how how much are you looking forward to like the South Avenue or heading south in Lacrosse and having all those traffic circles? Maybe what maybe a year out from now. Yeah, it it, it should be interesting. I mean, I've I've looked at the the plans and and looked at the designs and and you know essentially kind of tried to wrap my head around that as far as how that flow of traffic is going to be compared to the way it is now. 
and and certainly the engineers that have been involved in that and and suggesting you know the traffic circles at those specific uh, areas. Uh, you know, my hope is again that that it slows uh, things down and just allows for for safer travel for everybody involved. Yeah, if we had traffic cams that you know didn't get everybody for going five over, and these traffic circles kind of you know maintain you know if people figured out how to go through roundabouts and traffic circles, it's sometimes they just you know, like I, there's the road rage factor with me. I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Just go. Um, but that that would alleviate some of this. Your uh, you know you having to police traffic, right? Would I mean in, in a perfect world, you guys wouldn't have to do so much with traffic, and you could concentrate on other things, right? Well, that, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and again, with traffic, I mean, the design of, of the roads ha- has a lot to do with the behavior of the traffic on those roads. So, uh, you know, the, the, the traffic engineers certainly look for that. And in any time that, that it lessens uh, the impact that uh, we have as a department to have to try to go to these certain areas, I mean, we, the, the number one complaint that we get from a wide variety of people is just different traffic issues, whether it's on, you know, main thoroughfares or even on residential streets. And so, you know, we continue to look for um, solutions to that uh, so that, again, people remain safe. And, you know, whether it's speeding or, or whether it's some other types of violations that are happening in our neighborhoods, those are areas as well where, where we need police presence at times. And, and looking for, you know, other ways to construct intersections to make them safer. Yeah, traffic cams to me, if you, you just, and I, maybe this is an infringement on somebody's rights, but if you just kept a log of, you know, Rick, Rick ran 13 red lights uh, in, in January and he was caught speeding on the traffic cams 37 times, you might be on the lookout or you might send me a ticket in the mail or like, hey, dude, we've got our eye on you. And that way, the traffic cam does the work for you, and then you can kind of notify that person, and then maybe, and and that way, we're, we're you know, like you don't have to worry about just randomly catching someone doing the thing because you're never going to be consistent there because you you know, like because pulling people over is kind of random if you're in the right place at the right time, right? Yeah, it, no, it definitely is, and and again, we we can't be, uh, you know, at every roadway all the time. Traffic cams, I mean, I, I think one of the, the positions behind the utilization of traffic cams is that consistency um, and the fact that, that it is there and that if a violation occurs, again, these can be set up with thresholds. So whether or not it's, it's red, vi- red light violations, um, whether it's a, a speed violation that is um, so much over the posted limit, I mean, it's the consistency of that camera catching that behavior and then, you know, how it's set up as far as whether or not, um, you know, warnings are sent uh, maybe the first time or tickets are sent when a th- certain threshold is met. I mean, those are all the ways that, that the device or the tool can be utilized to try to get the confirmation uh, of people to not do that behavior that makes it unsafe. We're speaking with Police Chief Sean Kudron, City of La Crosse Police Chief. Um, I'm going to throw this one at you. Uh, the, uh, I have some friends that work retail, and they, they were just talking to me about people stealing retail theft. They have a repeat offender, so to speak. Uh, but the, the store policy is they can't call you. They can't call the police until that person steals. But by the time that person steals, they don't, they don't have any way of stopping them because there's also a policy where you don't. You, you, you just The police have to do that. Um, 
Is is there a strategy there that somebody that works retail and has this habitual stealer that comes in and just knows the system and can get away with this stuff where where they can work something out with you guys and 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 try to stop this person from stealing all the time? Well, uh, there's a few different ways that um, uh, you know that can essentially be um, addressed. And yes, there are some some habitual offenders. Um, Different stores do have different policies. Um, some stores do issue individuals who have stole from them, you know, let's say more than once, um, trespass orders that they cannot be in, in that store because of their previous behavior. And at that point in time, you know, if they're seen, you know, coming into that store, we can be called right away um, and, and, you know, essentially address that from a trespassing situation. Um, so there's a, there's a number of different ways that, um, that can be confronted, but you know we we have dealt with uh, different stores and and different people who have you know habitually stolen uh, you know from retail stores, <clears throat> and it can be difficult at times. But there there are some solutions to try to keep those people away and and keep them from victimizing you know, a certain store a number of times. Yeah, I think they are going to start going the trespassing route because they just know this person keeps doing it. It's just, it's kind of, it was kind of an interesting conversation. I'm like, wow, that really uh, hinders your ability. But also they didn't steal until the fact that they're out of the store and then you, you it's hard to prove, I guess. So it's all, it's all kind of like, it's all hairy. Um, anyway, I want to move on. I want to, this just occurred to me the other day. Uh, you know, their gun crimes happen. You'll, you'll arrest people. You'll, they'll have guns, right? They, not that they even use guns during the arrest or, or had shot anybody. Um, but we never talk about when we talk about arresting these people, we never talk about what happens to the gun. And, um, you know, a couple years back, I, I don't remember anyone's name in this, but the, the, the officer was shot. Uh, the guy, the guy in the, the tool shed outside the house kind of shot at the officer. And, the, you, you know, you guys shut, put out the YouTube video of the two uh, real slow motion to see who shot first and whatnot, but it was it was clear that uh, there was a back and forth here. But that person obviously had a gun. Um, more often than not, does what happens to the gun? Is there a is there an instance where the gun gets back to the person, or is it most most of the time confiscated forever? Well, there's a wide variety of cases um, <clears throat> that uh, the utilization of a gun, whether it's used in the crime, um, whether simply the person is just in possession of a gun, uh, potentially it's a, a, a person who has a previous felony conviction, and now they're in possession of a gun, which, which makes that another crime in and of itself. So there's a wide variety of, of cases and, and types of cases where guns might be involved. Um, and it depends on the case as, a, as far as what the disposition or the eventual disposition of that gun might be. Now, oftentimes um, in these cases, the gun is a substantial piece of evidence in the case. And so that gun then is held onto as a piece of evidence throughout the, the, the disposition of that case as it moves through um, the legal process. And oftentimes um, we have to get um, essentially permission from the district attorney before anything would happen um, with a piece of evidence like that, specifically a gun. Now, oftentimes guns that are not able to you know, have any other situation of where it's given back to anybody, um, those guns then would end up going to the state crime lab where they end up being destroyed. Um, now, some cases people are uh, simply caught in possession of a stolen firearm. So in that case, you know, there, there are, there, there's certainly a charge for that. 
Um, but in, in that case, once the case is, is reaches a final disposition, uh, the gun then, you know, is, is often given back to the victim uh, who had it stolen from them. So there, there is a wide variety of, of uh, essentially conclusions, but <clears throat> for, for illicit weapons, oftentimes those guns are taken to the state crime lab and destroyed. And it was Alan Crook. So it happened a month before you were hired as police chief, I think uh, maybe a month and a half or so. Uh, so you had That's to correct. deal. This was like one of the first things you had to deal with after the fact because you weren't police chief, but you were with the police department when this happened. The Alan Crook That's shooting correct. the officer. Yeah, um, yeah I, I was. Yeah. Um, okay. And that gets me to this other thing. The state, the state legislature has passed this bill. And I think Governor Evers may, I don't know if he'll sign this or not, but uh, 18-year-olds, the ability for, the, for them to conceal and carry. And I don't, I don't think it's a big deal in that regard, But and I don't know a whole lot about gun training, but would you like to see when pa- bills like this get passed, uh, maybe the state legislature also passes some bills where uh, I have to take training that might be similar to what police have to do when it comes to, to, holding, to ha- owning a weapon? Yeah, I, you know, when when legislature is considering um, making changes like this, specifically to this particular law, the, the concealed carry law, I think they always should consider the training standards that that are involved in that. Um, training, in my opinion, training is always a good thing. You know, the, the more training anybody can have when it comes to uh, the use or carrying of a weapon, that's a positive thing. Um, when it comes to the age, you know, they're, they're looking right now, from what I understand, uh, current age being 21, they're looking at the potential of lowering that to 18. You know, the, the, the age of the person does not always equate to the responsibility factor um, of, of the decision to use that, that firearm. And oftentimes that decision can be training can kind of enhance the decision-making and understanding of, of, you know, utilizing a weapon if you're carrying it concealed. So I, I think it's always a good thing to consider the training and, and look to enhance the training uh, for, for these types of situations. Because as of right now, there's, there's not a whole lot of training that needs to be done. Concealed carry, you have to get certain training, but just in terms of owning a gun, uh, there probably could be a lot more training uh, when it comes to the, the responsibility there, right? Well, in terms of owning a gun, I mean, that, that's a completely different situation as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, we have, we have a lot of gun owners, and, and, you know, most of these gun owners, in my opinion, most of the gun owners I know are responsible gun owners. Um, when, when, you know, our legislature gets involved in, in, you know, making and producing statutes as, as it refers to concealed carry, you know, that's where then the requirements, um, are, are also produced. And, and in this case, as they're looking at lowering the age, um, it, it may be prudent for our lawmakers to just simply look at that training standard and, and see if there's any enhancements that, that might be, um, really good and positive for all people that, that, um, this statute would affect. Yeah, we just get them in there with you guys. Whenever your recruits have to go for gun training, we'll we'll throw in uh, some civilians too. Well, hey, it's it's an important responsibility uh, to, to carry and or potentially utilize a weapon. And again, that training is important. All right, that's Police Chief Sean Kudon. Sean, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right, see ya. All right, we got to take one more quick break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just a couple minutes left here. 
wrap up. A lot of stuff. The state legislature did a lot of stuff, including, I believe, there's so many things. I don't, I believe they passed the concealed carry thing. Maybe they didn't. There's just, there's bill after bill. It's hard to keep up, really. Um, but I, even beyond that, I don't, I don't really have an opinion about whether or not a 18 year old can or can't conceal carry, but I think maybe just in general, uh, having gun training as part of your, you know, ability to own a gun, but also then how do you just, how do you get that gun training? Is it going to cost you a thousand dollars? Cause that's going to deter someone from getting a gun. Right. And so there's a weird way that you only then the, only the rich can get a gun, right. If it's going to cost you a thousand dollars to train up, um, and then just in general, when they when they bust someone with a gun, you know, how often is that gun illegal? Where does that gun end up? How was that gun obtained? Those are questions that we, I guess, we, maybe I'm just going to start asking. We never, I never see that in any article, really, unless the gun was in really just something that was, uh, you know, an oddball. Um, but that's just one of them deals where we talk about who we got and what this person did and the crimes that they committed, but we never think about the gun after the fact, even if it's just part of the part of the arrest. You know, a lot of times these arrests, they, they show the picture and it's got like a pile of cash and a pile of of uh, drugs and a bunch of guns laid out. And it's like, all right. And then we talk about the person that was arrested with this stuff, but we never talk about the stuff. So it's like, well, where are the where do these guns come from and where do they end up? And it sounds like a lot of times they end up uh, destroyed. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I appreciate Police Chief Sean Kudron coming on. Uh, you know, traffic, guns, drugs. That's a, <laughs> That was the show today. All right, thanks for listening, everybody.